Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus is all that you need? He's more than you could ever imagine. And that song just really tells a story that Jesus is more to us. And, you know, it's kind of like John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease. And the more we're filled with God's presence, the more life we have. And he came to give us life and it more abundantly. Amen. A few announcements. Um, we are going to be uh, rescheduling the starting point class to give everyone the opportunity to uh, sign up that hasn't been in the class. And if you'd like to take the uh, class, if you'll just put that on the connection card, it uh, kind of gives you a preview of the church and what we're about. And also, if in case you missed the offering plate and you have a connection card and you were filling it out, we do have boxes in the back. So you can just fold that in half and put it in one of the offering boxes there for your convenience. Um, some exciting days ahead for the church. We're uh, getting ready to order our new um, things for the kids' rooms, a new carpet and paint. and So we're going to be doing some construction in the future weeks. So just get ready. It's going to look really good. And every week, I was talking to J.D. last week, he said last week the, the room's overflowing with kids and we have more and more families coming, so we're excited about what's to come. Amen. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 1. And starting in verse 15, as you guys turn there, I heard a story about a small town and this businessman decided he was going to build a tavern. And I guess his goal was instead of people going to the small church, they would go to the tavern. So the church was really in a frenzy. They're like, um, this may lead some people down a dark path. We don't want them to go. So they held an all night prayer vigil that the tavern would not open up. And... Um, Shortly after they concluded their prayer meeting, the tavern caught fire and burned down. So the businessman decided to take the church to court. And he was going to sue the church for their prayers because they had prayed the tavern wouldn't open and fire struck down. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? So the judge was at a hard situation. The church had hired a lawyer to protest that it wasn't the church's fault, they didn't send the lightning, they're not guilty. And the tavern owner said it was the power of the prayers of the people that caused the fire, the lightning. So the judge said no matter what the outcome of the case is, one thing is sure, the Christians do not believe in the power of the prayer, but the owner of the tavern believes in the power of prayer. So I thought that story was illustrative of the church. So many times we pray... And then when God answers, we're like, was that really God? Was it, was it a coincidence? Uh, what's really going on? And I think the last two weeks, if you missed the last two weeks, I'd encourage you to listen online. But we talked about how rich we are in Christ. How that, you know, you are chosen, you are adopted, you're loved. You're adored by God. He not only loves you, but God also likes you. Did you ever realize that? He not just loves you, but He likes you. And... In Christ, there's so many blessings. So with that, it should change the way we pray. I love uh, Martin Luther. He was telling a story about prayer. And this really resonated with Lori and I since we just had um, four puppies. He said, one day he was eating at his table and his dog was noticing the piece of meat in his hand. And he decided, you know what? This dog, he's only got his focus on the piece of meat. His eyes, no other, other place. His focus is there. And he decided, you know what, the Lord spoke to him and said, if you could only be like that dog, 
when it comes to pray. If you could just focus on me, no distractions, focus on the master as the dog is focused on you. If you could have that focus and God spoke to him through his pet. And I think so many times if you're like me when I'm praying, you have all these pop-ups in mind. Anybody else struggle with that? And you have to write down, okay, think about that later. And Luther was saying, if you could just focus as your only desire, your only object is God, is the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that would make a big difference. So today we're going to talk about the power of prayer. And there are certain prayers in the Bible I like to call pre-approved prayers. If you've ever um, got a mail from a credit card company, has anybody ever had your pre-approved for a certain, like you, you can now take out a $10,000 loan. And my parents warned me against it, do not you know, take out that credit card even though you're pre-approved. I remember as a college student, as soon as you sign up for college, you get all these credit card offers saying you've been pre-approved. And you're like, I didn't even have a job yet. Why are they sending me all this pre-approved? Well, there's certain prayers that are inspired by God in the Bible. Many of you are familiar with the prayer of Jabez, how Jabez prayed that God would bless him and enlarge his territory. And it said God answered that prayer. Well, in the book of Ephesians, there's a prayer that Paul prays over the church. And this is what I call a pre-approved prayer that you can pray over your life. And these are the type of prayers that if you pray to God, he loves to answer his word. And this is one of those inspired prayers. And a lot of times our prayers are praying and we're not really sure if it's God's will or not. This is one of those things you can be sure God wants you to grow in this and experience this. So I've entitled this pre-approved prayer. And in your bulletin, there's a little handout that you guys can take with you. And this is going to be a challenge for all of us the next seven days is to pray this passage in Ephesians over your life every day. And then um, there's a few short points there that you can pray as well on the back of it. But I just want to encourage you that there is power in prayer. So I want this message to be something very practical where when we read it and experience it's not, oh, just another prayer talk. But it's, wow, this is something that God wants to answer. This is a request that I can pray and the doors of heaven will open up. It's kind of like this. You know, imagine praying, God, um, help me to have more passion to win other people for, to, to you, to share the gospel. Do you think God's going to answer that prayer? Absolutely. You may find yourself sharing your faith more than ever before. So, with that being said, let's look in Ephesians 1 and read verses 15 through 23. It says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... And of your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention mention of you in my prayers. And here's the prayer he prays, starting in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his grace of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness who fills all in all. Let us pray. Father, this is a powerful prayer. 
And I pray that we would be able to unpackage some of the the jewels in this text. That, God, this would affect our prayer life, that we wouldn't just pray to be praying, but we would pray to a Father who sees our needs, who knows what's going on, and that would speak to our hearts. So, Father, speak to us through your word and help us to understand what your word has to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to unpackage a few things that we can pray from this prayer and the verses preceding it. The first thing is this. Father, I pray that you would, number one, increase my faith in Jesus and my love for other Christians. Look at verse 15. He says, verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Wouldn't it be amazing at Arden First if we were known for two things, our, our faith in Jesus Christ and our love for all the saints. You know, it's easy to love those people in your church. It's a lot harder to love people from other denominations, right, that maybe don't see the way you see. But I love how it says all saints. Everybody that claims the name of Jesus, that have experienced him, that believe in his word, the Bible says we're to love all saints. And, you know, sometimes that can be hard enough to love people within your own church, right, much less people that don't agree with you. But, you know, the thing about it is this. Jesus said, by your love for each other, people know you're my disciples. And I really believe that one of the greatest tests as a Christian is how well do you love? And if we love others as we should, the world begins to know. John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. He said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And you're like, well, love's not a new commandment because it's in the Old Testament. But he says, as I have loved you. You notice that his love was sacrificial. He was getting ready to lay his life down on the cross. So people will begin to experience, wow, these people have love. But notice it's also faith. And a lot of times we can love each other, but do you have faith? Do you have faith that God can move the mountains? Do you have faith that God can do anything? I'm reminded of the story of the little boy with the five loaves and how many fish? Two fish, right? And it seemed like, you know, in a crowd of that big, it says 5,000 men plus women and children. So it could have been 15,000, 20,000 people. Do you think that someone else had a little piece of bread in his pocket or a little piece of fish? Why was this little boy the only one that had anything? I think he had faith in Jesus Christ. He was willing to have the childlike faith and saying, I don't have much to bring, but what I do bring, I bring to you. And many of us say, I don't have a lot to give to God. You know, I'm not as talented as some. I'm not as smart as some. I'm not as attractive. But you know what? That doesn't matter. It takes faith as small as a what to move a mountain. Mustard seed, right? So Paul commends them on their faith and their love. And I think we can pray this. God Increase my faith in Jesus Christ and increase my love for others. And when we do that, God begins to work through you. Friend, you and I are the body of Christ. We are the hands that are to show his love. We are the mouth that is to speak words of encouragement and words that build others up. We are the feet that is to go. And sometimes it's across the street. Sometimes it's the next door neighbor. Sometimes it's around the world. If, if, if we don't do it, who will? Because Jesus said we are his body and he speaks through us. And that's kind of an epiphany to think about since Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. And now Jesus is well, where? He's in heaven, right? 
So who's the visible image of God now? We are to be the representatives of God now, now that Jesus is in heaven. We are the ones who are to be his body. And you may be the only Bible that some people read. That's kind of scary, right? When they read your life, what are they going to read? But may they read that we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And may they read that we have love for all the saints. Not just some of the saints, but all of the saints. May we pray for all the churches. May we pray for a Biltmore Baptist Church down the road. May we pray for Arden Press. May we pray for all the churches in our community that God may work through them and that he may do work in their midst. Amen. So at Arden First, we have an expression. We are a place where you can belong, believe, and become. Right? We say that. and When people say, what is the church about? Hopefully you can remember the three B's. Belong, believe, and become. Did you realize that some people, before they believe, they have to have a sense of belonging? A lot of times people won't darken the doors of a church unless they feel like they belong. And we need to have a welcoming environment, even if someone doesn't believe that this will be the environment in which they can hear God's word, they can see the love expressed, and their sense of belonging leads to them believing in the Lord and then becoming all that he wants them to become. Amen? The way, the way I like to phrase it is when people belong, they feel the love. When people believe, they receive the love. But whenever people become, they begin to live the love. And that's what the Christian life is all about, putting into action what you know to be true. Amen? So the first prayer is, Father, I pray that you would increase my faith in Jesus and my love for other believers. The second prayer is this, grant me spiritual wisdom to know God more. Look at verse number 17. His prayer starts off that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So uh, I picked on the ladies last week and I want to do it again. You know, I've been thinking about relationships a lot and I can imagine when I first met Lori, imagine if I would have said this to Lori. You know, I want to marry you, but I don't really want to know you that well. I just want someone to make me a sandwich to uh, iron my clothes. She's already getting upset right now. I didn't tell her I was going to say this. I just want all the benefits of a wife, but I don't really want to watch these you know, Hallmark movies with you at nighttime. And all the men said, don't say anything. Um, I don't really want to have these hour-long conversations at night. I just, I just want to say I do, and I'm done, and that's it. How many of you ladies think she would have signed up for that? But you know, we do the same thing with God. We say, God, you know, I want forgiveness of sins. I want to, you know, get out of hell free pass. I want to live with you forever. But I don't really want to know you. And that's the same if you had any human relationship and you were only in it for the benefits. How many of you know people can smell that a mile away? But what Paul prays here is so beautiful. He prays that God may give us the spirit of wisdom. Now, the word for wisdom is the word Sophia, and it means having a keen insight into true reality. Wisdom is seeing all of the world from God's perspective. So this is really practical. Um, for those who are students in the room, high school, college, etc., it's saying, God, this world is full of peer pressures, but I want to have wisdom to see the world as you see it. I'm only seeing this here and now, but help me see my life 20 years from now, you know, it's like the 40-year-old that's saying, God, I don't know what's the next chapter in my life. I feel like I'm at halftime, but I'm ready to come out and put some points on the board. What is it? 
It's like the senior adult who has just retired and now you're getting ready to refire. You're getting ready to see what the next chapter holds. An African-American lady once told me that when you retire, it's time to refire. I never, I was like, can I use that? I think that's really good. You know, here's a question to ask yourself, and this is a wisdom question. What if the future you would tell you what your life would be like in 10 years from now? What advice would the future you give to you? It's seeing yourself from a different lens. Imagine if you could write your past self a letter with what you know now. I'm getting ready to turn 35 in March, and I would love to write myself as a 25-year-old. Dear 25-year-old Timothy, here's some things I want you to know. I I would give myself some advice that would have changed some things along the way. Wouldn't you do the same? But the good thing is, you don't have to do that. You can ask God for wisdom. God, give me your perspective on life. Notice the next phrase, the revelation and the knowledge of him. The word knowledge is not just an intellectual ascent. It's not a head knowledge. This is like an intimate word. It means I really intimately get to know God. There are some people in your life that you intimately know that no one else will know. For those of you who are married, you should know your spouse on a level that no one else will ever know them. And this is the type of knowledge he's talking about. Not just that I know about God, but I have this intimate understanding. And the more I love about God, the more I know about Him, the more there is to love. It reminds me of Jeremiah 29, or excuse me, 9, 23 and 24. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor the mighty man glory in his might, nor the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories, glories in this, that he understands and knows me. Later on in the New Testament, Jesus said, This is the eternal life that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So true life is truly knowing God, having an intimate relationship with Him. So how, how does this work on a practical level, you ask? Like, you know, Timothy, it's great to have God's perspective and to know God, but how do you do it? How do you every day make it practical? Well, it's really simple. It's just like any human relationship. You get to know each other by spending time together. And, you know, this is Christianity 101, but we need to get back to those daily times with God. Daily time of reading his word, talking with him. And by the way, if you'll listen, God will talk to you. Uh, we've been trying to tell our daughter Kira about, she's like, I, I talked to God, but I don't hear anything. I said, well, just keep, keep listening. He's going to talk to you. And eventually you tune into that radio station, the spiritual radio station, where you're, you're on the dial and you hear God talking to you. And some of you are like, well, I haven't heard that. Well, have you stopped to listen? Whenever we spend time in God's word and we, we commune with him, the Holy Spirit's inside of you and he will speak to your heart. Some of you are nodding. He gives those still small voice that he's with you and he's for you. You know, also, did you know that God speaks to other believers? And that's, that's why it's so important to get connected, not just in a big group setting, but also in small groups. That's why we have Sunday school and life groups. Because we really want you guys to get to know each other on an intimate level and encourage each other. Um, in the young adult class, we were talking about struggles. And we said, has anybody ever been in a struggle recently? And someone said, well, this weekend. And we began to tell stories. And then we've been offer encouragement and grace. And that's what it's about. That's how you get to know God deeper through others. And that relationship with him and also with his children. Amen. Philosophy says, know thyself. 
But Christianity says, know God through Jesus Christ. And as you get to know God, you begin to know yourself. You can't really have a true understanding of yourself apart from the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of God. Amen? So the second prayer you could pray is, God, give me the spiritual wisdom to know you more. The knowledge of him. The third prayer you can offer is this. Dear Father, flood my life with glorious light so that I can more fully comprehend and activate my spiritual blessings. Look at verses 18 and following. I love this. It says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You know, we live in a a culture in Asheville where everybody's seeking enlightenment. Have you ever noticed that? If you go downtown Asheville to a coffee shop, you can have a conversation about enlightenment with other people. And they'll tell you what that means. And it means something completely different to each person. But spiritually speaking, what this is talking about is Jesus said he was the light of the world. And whenever he moves in, he turns on the light switch. And you begin to see the world like you've never seen the world. I read a story recently about Alexander the Great. And in his kingdom, there was this amazing man that was a great philosopher. And he was very wise and gave great advice. But he was one of those struggling artists that didn't have a lot of money. So he was rich in wisdom but poor in finances. So according to the story, he went to Alexander and said, uh, Alexander, sir, um, as you know, I'm a struggling philosopher. And I've got some debt to pay, some bills to pay, and I need your help. And I was wondering if you could help me financially. And Alexander According to the story, he said, go talk to my treasurer and he will write you, he will give you the money that you need and their equivalent of writing a check. So he went to the treasurer and he asked what would be in American money, the equivalent of $50,000. And the treasurer is like, hold on a second, we're going to need another signature for that. He's like, we we can't give you that. Uh, Let me go talk to Alexander. And Alexander um, talked to him and he said, listen, this guy has actually paid me a compliment. Number one, he realizes how wealthy I am. And number two, he realizes how generous I am. Give him the money. And you know, as I read that story, it made me think of Christ. So many times we come to Jesus as though we're paupers. And, you know, we don't really expect him to bless us or give us things we pray for when Jesus has called you a son or a daughter. In Ephesians 1.3, it says he has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing. So I want you to think about the illustration. When you come to God... Have faith. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to give you whatever you want. But it does mean that he's going to grant certain requests that will blow your mind. There's many things in life that if we would just pray, God would open up doors that we would just never dream of. Um, it reminds me of a story I read. And uh, we got some newlyweds in our church. Um, there's this newlywed couple. They went to this uh, exclusive hotel. And they had just said, I do. And uh, they were excited, you know. First day of the honeymoon. So they checked into this really five-star resort. And to the, the husband's surprise, it was a small little room. And he's like, that's not what I saw on Travelocity, you know, with this big heart-shaped jacuzzi. And I mean, it was nice, but it was small. But he was so tired from traveling, he just decided to, you know, lay down on the little bed and go to sleep. And the next day, he complained to the guy at the front desk and said, you know, I, I paid a lot of money for the, you know, the heart-shaped bathtub and I didn't see the roses floating in the... I mean, it was just basic. I want my money back. And the manager was like, let's go up to your room. So they went up to his room, and he showed him where they stayed. And he's like, 
well, this is just the entryway into your suite. Did you not go past that door? And he's like, I didn't even see a door. So he took him in the door and it opened up to this beautiful suite. And there was the heart-shaped bathtub and the, the, the roses floating in the water and all this. And he had missed out because he didn't see the door. And I'm wondering in life, if we don't pray as we should, we just miss out. Because every spiritual blessing is ours, but how many of us don't ask God? What does it say in James? You have not because you ask not, right? So the word enlightenment, you know, it's the idea of you turn on the light switch. So when Paul prays over the Ephesian church that you may be enlightened, this is a beautiful picture. He's saying that you may have this encounter with God. You, you ever have those encounters where God speaks to you and you're like, wow, I never saw that. It just, the light switch goes on. We may say an epiphany. You know, you have this eureka moment. It's saying the Holy Spirit is alive inside of you as a believer. And he can tell you things. You're just like, I never thought that. I never thought of that. And I remember when I was 15, when I, when I first started ministry. And by the way, this March will mark 19 years of of in the ministry, so my mind takes me back, and God, as a high school student, would begin to show me stuff, and I was just like, wow, thank you, Lord, and sometimes we get away from that because we're not really asking God to show us something. It says in Jeremiah, it says, call unto me, Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I'll answer you and show you great and unbelievable things which you don't know. The problem is we don't call to him. We don't ask him. So the word enlightenment is like when, whenever the Holy Spirit comes on, comes inside of your life, he turns a light switch on. And Paul says there's going to be three things that will happen. Notice that he prays for the hope of his calling. Did you realize that we have something that's greater than just an ambition? You know, a lot of times in American culture we say, I hope so. You know, I dream that this will happen. And it's, it's like a wish. But in biblical hope, it's saying I have faith that this is going to happen. Because my faith is not in my circumstances, it's in God. So when it says the hope of his calling, it's saying that you have a bright future, and it's not just a wishful thinking, but it's a reality. I, Paul says, I pray that you may know the hope of his calling. Look at the second thing, the riches of God's inheritance. Notice the phrasing here. Sometimes it's easy to read over, but it says the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Last week we talked about your inheritance. This phrase talks about God's inheritance. Now here's the mystery behind it. And this is why it's so easy to get confused. Does God really need anything? Absolutely not. He's God. But here's the beautiful picture. Since he redeemed you, since he paid the price for you, since he set you free, and since he's waiting for you to be with him forever, even though he needs nothing, he can't wait to be with you. That's the picture here. You are God's inheritance. Did you ever know that? God has an inheritance and you're part of it as a believer. So the next time you feel depressed, the next time you're like, oh, woe is me. I'm so... Just realize, I am God's inheritance. God, as his child, he not only loves you, but he likes you. And that should change the way you view yourself. I am loved and liked by God. He loves me and likes me so much he wants to spend forever with me. I am God's inheritance. That's just mind-boggling. The third thing, when God enlightens you, not only do you see the hope of his calling, not only do you see how glorious God's inheritance is, and you're part of that, but the third thing God turns on is 
God's exceedingly great power towards his saints. Now look at, look at the next verse. It says that you may know the hope of his calling, rich of his glory, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So you notice this picture here. He's saying that God has made you powerful through Jesus. And, you know, a lot of times as Christians, we're taught to be humble and meek, and that's true. But what this scripture says, in Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, get this, it lives inside of you. And it's the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. Did you guys realize that the power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that God sends towards you? That's just mind-boggling. So here's what that means practically. One day, unless Jesus returns, we're all going to die, right? And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But as far as my body, no matter if it's ashes, no matter if it's ten feet under, he's going to raise it from the dead. I'm going to have a glorified body. I don't know how all that works. I just know he said it would be. Uh, whenever I get sick and I feel like, man, this is, this is not the way life's meant to be, just know in heaven there's no more sickness. Whenever you shed tears of sadness and sorrow, it says in Revelation, he's going to wipe the tears away from your eyes. So, you know, in this world, we want to be exempt from pain and suffering, financial hardship, relational strain, all those things. God didn't create the world like that, but we live as a result of the fall. But the good news in spite of all that is this. You have resurrection power living inside of you. So here's here's what it looks like. Many of us live our lives like it's Friday. Not, not Friday, the work week, but you remember we call Good Friday when Jesus died on the cross? And we walk around with our heads down, just defeated, like Jesus is dead. And some of us live like it's Saturday, like there's no hope. But you know what? Sunday came, and Jesus rose. And you and I should live our lives as though we have the resurrection power pulsating through our body. So no matter what happens to me, it's God working in me. And he's going to raise me from this. And we talked about Wednesday night. What's the worst thing that can happen? You can kill me? You can't kill the Christian. You can only promote the Christian, right? So the resurrection power lives inside of you. That's a good place for an amen. Amen. All right, number four. Um, God, help me to embrace my place in the body of Christ. Help me to embrace my place in the body of Christ. I read the story about Eugene Land, and Eugene Land was a self-made millionaire, very successful. And he went to the school in East Harlem. It was this whole group of sixth graders, I believe it was. And he was meeting with them, and he was trying to encourage these kids not to drop out. He's saying, listen, guys, don't drop out of class. It was actually 59 sixth graders. He said, don't drop out of class, and he was trying to inspire them. He's like, how do I get these minority students to know there's hope? And God's got a plan. So he threw his notes out and he spoke from the heart. And he he didn't plan to say this, but he said, if if you guys will just hang in there and graduate school, I will pay for your college education. And all of a sudden, the hope went off in their mind. They're like, Mr. Land's a millionaire. He can afford to pay my tech school, whatever it may be. I'm just going to keep going. And according to the story, many years later, almost 90% of that school, of that class, made it through to graduation. And one of the students said, it's because I had hope like never before. Church, you cannot read Ephesians and not have hope. You are the body of Christ. And he's, he's, got, he's got a plan. Look, at, look back in verse 19 at the end. 
It says, according to his mighty power, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now notice, we are in Christ. This is only true for those of us who are Christians. But notice it says, he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. In other places it says, we, we, we have our spiritual blessings. It says, your new life is with Christ. It says, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, every name that is named, not only this age, but also in the age of come. So here's the question. If we are in Christ and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, does that mean that we're raised above all principality and power, all demonic forces? Absolutely. So why are we so afraid of evil? Why are we so afraid of all the wickedness that's going on? My parents who are sitting in the back, they always quoted this to me growing up. They said, Timothy, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So church, we have might and power in Christ. We have dominion. The dominion that was lost to Adam has been restored in Christ. So we need to stop walking around as sorrowful saints and we need to have a little victory in our step. Amen. So you have power to overcome sinful habits in your life. You do. You have power to overcome strongholds. You have power to overcome the negative boss at work. And if he's sitting next to you, don't look around. You have power to overcome relational strain. This is not the power in and of yourself. This is the Holy Spirit working in and through you. This is the power of the Christian life. So don't misunderstand. It's not how great you are. It's God inside of you that can do it. So we have this power. Many of you are familiar with John Knox. He was the founder of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland. And on his deathbed, he asked his wife, he, I wish I could speak in a Scottish accent, but I'm not going to try. He asked his wife, he said, read me the scripture that really encourages me to pray. Read me the scripture, he used the word, that calls me to cast my anchor. And his wife began to read to him from John 17, the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not going to read all of his prayer, but he basically prayed for his fellow men. He prayed for the ungodly that had rejected the gospel. He prayed for protection for the Lord's servants. He prayed for help those facing persecution. And many of you are familiar with Queen Mary. This is a quote from her. She said, I fear his prayers more than I do the armies of my enemies. I fear John Knox's prayers. So as John Knox was praying, God ushered him into his presence. And he went to be with the Lord. Wouldn't that be cool to die praying? I mean, of all the things to do, maybe die praying or in my case, die preaching. You know, just, so if, if I die in the pulpit many, many years from now. It's a good way to go out. So what does that mean for you practically? Like, you know, you talk about prayer. And I hope you guys see this is not just a pie in the sky by and by. This is the here and now. God wants you to seek him. What does it mean? I wrote down a few thoughts. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. So we need to be done with low life, low living, and stinking thinking. Because we're, I mean, we're seated with him. Let's renew our minds to things above. We have authority and power over evil. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the problem is we're leaky vessels. You know, a lot of times people say you need more of Jesus, and I understand what they're saying. I think the best way to say it is you have Jesus, he doesn't have all of you. You need to give more of yourself to him. So to be filled with the Spirit means that you're emptying yourself of those fleshly desires and asking God to fill you. You're the hands and feet of this world. So you're the hands and feet of Christ to, to be a blessing, to help others out. But what does it mean as a church? What does it mean for Arden First Baptist in 2017? Well, last week we talked about the new theme is just five letters, two words, but all in. 
We want to say, God, whatever you have, I'm all in for this new year. If it means talking to my cranky neighbor, God, I'm going to pray you help me, but I'm going to go do it. If it means talking to the person at the grocery store that, you know, they're getting paid to be friendly, but they're griping. Has anybody ever experienced that? I'm not going to mention any stores, but you're like, hey, you know, you're being paid to check me out and you wish I weren't here. I mean, what's the deal? Maybe they should pay you more. I don't know, but maybe I should leave you a tip. I don't know, but, you know, God wants us to reach out and to love people and to help people. You know, our, our mission statement is we're here to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. So what does it look like? We're all ordinary, right? But whenever you're embraced by grace, God takes the ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. I want to close with a famous prayer from Robert E. Lee, who was an American general. Many of you are familiar with him. and he, Of course, he had a share of mistakes like any of us. But he was a man that believed in the power of prayer. He says, uh, knowing this, the intercessory prayers are mightiest weapon and the supreme call for all Christians today. And this is beautiful. He said, I plead and urge your people everywhere to pray. And this is the army general praying, believing that prayer is the greatest contribution that our people can make in this critical hour. And I would say the same is true for our culture today. I humbly urge that we take time to pray, to really pray. Let us be at prayer at sunup, at noonday, at sundown, at midnight, all throughout the day. Let us pray for our children, our youth, our age, our pastors, our homes. Let us pray for our churches. Let us pray for ourselves. Let us not lose the word concern out of our Christian vocabulary. Let us pray for our nation. Let us pray for those who have never known Jesus Christ and His redeeming love. Let us pray for moral forces everywhere, for our national leaders. Let prayer be our passion and let prayer be our practice. What a powerful prayer. And some of you, as we wrap this up, some of you are asking the question, what about if we pray and God says no? You ever ask that question? What if God says no? Well, this is very practical. Bill Hybels gives us a really good answer. He says, when the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right where you need to be, God says go. So Christians, brothers and sisters, let us not underutilize the most powerful weapon in our arsenal, the power of prayer. So your take-home truth to rethink is this. We've got it on the screen here. Prayer is talking with your Heavenly Father who loves you and wants the best for your life. So don't be afraid to ask God for His best every day in your life. So here's the taking action. Here's what we can do. And you may forget a day or two, and that's okay. But as long as God brings it to your mind, pray this Ephesians prayer. You'll be surprised what happens when you pray God's Word. Many things can happen. Let's pray. Father, We thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you, Lord, that in you, in your name, we have authority and we have power. And so many times as Christians, we forget that. But God, it tells us straight out of your word that in Christ, you've raised us above all of that. All the principalities, all the powers, that in Christ, we should take authority. So, Father, I don't know what anyone's going through today on a personal level like you know. But God, for those who are struggling, give them grace. Father, for those who are having marital problems, heal that. God, I know that you can do your work in that. 
For those who are saying, Timothy, if you only knew, I, I can barely even go to work on a Monday. Or Timothy, if you only knew my health issues or family issues. God, you know these issues. If there be one here today that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, he's just a prayer away. If you're willing to confess him, to invite him into your life, ask him to forgive you your sins, the Bible says he will come into your life and you will be a new person. No magical in your words. Pray a prayer like this. Say, Jesus, I know you stand at the door of my heart and knock. And today I let you in. I believe that you are God and I want to give my life to you. I make you my Lord and Savior. I pray that you forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. And thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for making me new. Father, you've heard the prayers of your saints. I pray, Lord, that we would begin to activate the blessings, the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. If you'd please stand for the closing song. If you guys have a decision you need to make, Adam and I will be at the front. And we just want you to know that we're so grateful you came to church today. God's got great plans for your life.